the difference between the church, a pastoral church, and an apostolic church. We have to understand the difference because the ministries are very different, very different. So that's what this teaching is about. And if you miss some, especially the last one was awesome because we did a sort of a skit representing the fight. And it's online, isn't it, Todd? If y'all hadn't seen it, y'all need to go on it and see how we played out the fivefold ministry and how it operates, how it functions together to be effective for God. What ordained means to officially and publicly make a minister, to officially establish, to invest officially. Is this being live streamed too? Okay. Uh, to invest officially as by the laying on of hands with ministerial authority and to confer holy orders. That's the one I like, conferring a holy order. That means it's like a, almost like a vow to stay holy. You know how CPAs have to take a vow and attorneys have to take a vow, and that's like a holy order taking a vow that we vow to be holy. So this, teaching, this is teaching number three, and it's about making the transition from, an, from a pastoral church to an apostolic church, making the transition from that. And I'm going to look, look, look on the screen a minute. We're going to put two, these two charts up. Scott, Scott, I got Scott in my mind. Um, the end time church progression, which we've seen before, and uh, the two drawings I gave you. Let's put those up real quick before I get into teaching. First one, first one I gave you, keep on order. This is a vision the Lord gave me, and um, thank God for vision, because if the Lord hadn't given me a vision last Saturday night, nothing would have happened. He played that thing out according to the vision. But this this is what we're looking at from moving from a pastoral church to a kingdom, apostolic structure. You've got pastors that have structure, but no power. There's pastors that have churches that have structure, but no power. That's non-denomination. You have the pastor, denomination, church of God, assembly of God, denominational churches. Then we have the priest, religious structure, the Catholic, Methodist, and Episcopalian, and it goes on. Uh, Those are religious churches. So you have non-denomination, denominational, and religious. And they're all children. They're all children. God is moving things by the Spirit, the churches, into an apostolic church. But first, he's got to set up the model. I was talking to Cornelius, and he had been in two apostolic churches before. But it ain't nothing like this one. Because there was no power. I said, the first thing you ought to uh, to be assigned to you is the presence of God, tangible presence where you just want to sit and just sit and don't want to leave. That's the first sign. So God is moving Christians who are, who are, who are truly bought by the blood of Jesus, transitioning them, moving them out of churches into an apostolic, what I'm going to call a center, apostolic center. And the purpose is, who knows the purpose of that transition? For maturity. Remember, we're moving from children to sons of God. And an apostolic structure is going to be a fivefold ministry. 
You've got to have that fivefold in your ministry. The, like I said, the apostle can operate in all five of them, but only minor in one, uh, minor in four, major in one. So that keeps things in a position of growth. It positions us for growth. And as the other offices come in, we experience more growth, more presence. We have presence now because we have offices in here that's been refined and been, you know, released from demons and released from bondage and all this kind of stuff. And those those strongholds actually cap off the presence of God that's in us. The demons don't care about the anointing. You can cut them off with all you want with the anointing, but they're coming back. But they can't deal with the presence. There's too much authority in the presence. And that's what they're afraid of is authority. So this is the transition. And once you pass through, you get identified, confirmed, processed, and released to maturity. And like Paul said, flesh and blood cannot enter. Then we go out and evangelize dead churches. Where's our evangelist here? You go out and evangelize dead churches. Apostles starting churches and marketplace ministries. Those are your three ministries going out. So you have to identify yourself. Which one are you? Your marketplace minister? Apostle? Starting churches? Putting the fivefold in there? Getting fivefold set up? Let's look at the next uh, thing on the screen here. Jesus is major, majors in these offices. That's why it's so important for all the offices to come together in true identity, true power, true maturity. You have a lot of true apostles out there that are not mature enough to operate in that office. The Lord did not release me to this office until I didn't know what an apostle was. Does that make sense? He didn't release me to the office until I didn't know what it was. Because then the people confirm it. Mentors confirm it. But there's true apostles out there that um, are in the pulpit prematurely because they can't be in any bondage to man. Amen? No debt. And the ones that I've talked to that, are, that I know have that apostolic on them, they're in debt up to, up to their eyeballs. And that's why you can't bring the presence of God in. You can work that anointing all you want. But that presence will never come because God will not endorse what's against his word. He just won't do it. He'll hold back until Jesus gets finished with the work. And then he'll show up. Amen. So making the transition from a, a pastoral church to an apostolic church. Let's define the pastoral church. Where's my little, stay with me, dog, because I'm going to move fast tonight. Pastor, this is the old wineskin church. We all came out of the old wineskin church. This church 
is made up. Now, y'all listen now. Take notes because you're going to be tested on this. The church is what this church is made up of what? Layman. The church is made up of layman. I know uh, Paige is just taking all the notes for Carrie. I can see it right now. She takes good notes. <laughs> layman are those without knowledge and training. Laymen are expected to attend church, give money, read their Bibles, and live a good moral life, right? They are not taught to heal, to prophesy, and to perform signs, wonders, and miracles. Can you imagine when the church gets a hold of this? You can just take cities down for the glory of God. Laymans are expected to attend church, give money, read their Bibles, and live good lives. How can you expect a child to live a good life? Child, children are always in rebellion, aren't they? So it's impossible to do until you come into maturity. The pastor is not involved in working with the other fivefold leaders. I can't get, it's the hardest thing to get a pastor to connect to a fivefold. Part of the problem is they don't understand it. it, it it's fearful to them. They don't want to give up the authority. The pastor is the minister. His flock is made up of helpless sheep. Amen. Try to get one of them to cast a demon out. Ain't going to happen. A pastor is, is paid to do the work of the ministry. It's not the job of the sheep. So the pastor is paid to do the work of the ministry. That's why I say I'll never take a check out of this ministry. Amen. I'm more, I think more like Paul. I'd rather do my fishnets over there and come over here and feel like I'm giving something freely. Amen. But the pastors aren't like that because they're paid to do it. That's their income for their family. So the layman expect the pastor to do everything. Amen. And the pastor is absolutely wore out. You remember sometimes one of your pastor and he's irritated or angry or short with you or he's just wore out. Amen. But can you imagine the trap that they're in? They got to have the salary for their family. All that's going to change. They can still have their salary for the family, but they're going to have a lot more help, a lot more pastors helping them. Let's define shortly an apostolic church. The apostolic church is the new wineskin church. Anybody ask you what kind of church you're going to, tell them it's the new wineskin church. That would be a good title for a church that we birthed out of here, the new wineskin church. Amen. Something that's holding the glory of God. A wineskin that's holding the glory. This church is made up of, of raised up saints. 
raised up saints. Saints who know God's ways and his works. His ways and his works. Wouldn't it be nice to know what God is doing most of the time? <laughs> it would be nice to know what God is doing most of the time. I don't think we'll ever, unless we all come together, and I say this all the time when all the glorious sons get together, and they're really glorious sons, that God can speak to me and Carrie hears it and Paige hears the same thing. And that just eliminates deception, doesn't it? That day is coming for Kingdom Life Ministry. I'm, gonna, I'm determined. In a new wineskin church, the leader's worst nightmare. I love this when the Lord gave me this. The leader's worst nightmare is to have followers who are dependent on him. Y'all get that? You don't want the sheep dependent on you. Because they, 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 you, they, you become an idol for them. They take the place of God. You don't want that. His greatest joy of an ap a leader of an apostolic church, his greatest joy is to have followers who minister more effectively than he does. I see that already with Carrie and Lee and the ones that get up. I can just sit back and just rest. I've been plowing this field for a while. We were just looking at all the teachings in the conference room. And man, there's so much teaching going on the last seven years in this place. But that's an apostle's greatest joy. He doesn't want to be up here. He wants to see his work raising up sons. And that they can do better than he can do. Amen to that. The presence of the glory is evident in this church. So that's just a short form of the differences between the two churches. And God is restoring the structure of the church. Right now, it's been going on ever since, I know ever since this door opened, for this, for Savannah, for Savannah, God started restoring the structure of the church. Transition must take place. Transition means a change from one state to another state or condition. So we're moving from church to kingdom. Look at this diagram on the on the screen. We're moving from, I thought this was interesting when the Lord revealed this. The early church apostolic, 325. Medieval church, priest, pastor. Look how long it's been going on. And now the restored church is coming to alignment right now. Can't you feel the restoration? When you see God move like he did last Saturday in here, he is restoring his bride, his people back to him. That's beautiful. It should be a joy to come to church because you don't know what you're going to expect. Amen? But the apostles started it, and the apostles have to end it. There's a difference. 
between kingdom and church. The kingdom is the whole of God's redeeming activity in Christ in the world. The kingdom is the whole of God's redeeming activity in Christ in the world. Yes, because that's very important. The kingdom is the whole of God's redeeming activity in Christ in the world. Everybody get it? Want me to say it again? You're good. The, the kingdom is the whole of God's redeeming activity in Christ in the world. The whole of God's redeeming activity in Christ. W-H-O-L-E. I'm going to put some statistics up on the screen which is going to blow your mind. A search of how many times each office was mentioned in the New Testament. Each of the fivefold offices. Look how many times they were mentioned in the, in the New Testament. Gave it to you. Do what? This one? Got it circled. Yes, line all the way down. Okay. Apostles were mentioned 87 times in the New Testament. Prophets were mentioned 157 times. I think this is interesting. 157. Evangelists were listed three times. You see how backwards the church has things? Three times. Pastors were mentioned one time. And that was in Ephesians. Teachers were mentioned 121 times. So you see that the pastoral church design came from Constantine. He wanted a church he could control. Knowing he could not control a five-fold ministry. That's why the demons come out. Because they know they've lost control now. Apostles, prophets, and teachers establish and build the church. Apostles, prophets, and teachers establish and build the church. Evangelists reach people. And pastors do what? Care for the people. So you look at the apostles. Yeah. Um, the apostles, prophets, and teachers establish and build the church. Evangelists reach people for Jesus. And the pastor cares for the one that's been reached. I thought that was interesting. Something else. I got another statistic that I searched out, and it's really going to blow your mind. Todd, I hope you have this one. The state of the American pastor. Okay, let's look at that. 
of pastors and 84% of their wives regularly struggle with depression. This is over, this is a statistic over the last 20 years. Huh? No. No, this is, this is, no. No, this didn't come from the article. Number two, 80, 80% feel they are unqualified for their position. These are the ones that are nurturing and teaching you. And they're the whole time. This is a real statistic. That's heavy. 80% feel they are unqualified for their position. 70% say they are regularly consider leaving the ministry. Can you imagine if you're only supposed to pastor 50 to 60 people when you got 5,000 people in your church? Wouldn't you be ready to leave after all those babies looking for milk from you? Your phone's off the hook at night. They need prayer at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. They need you to come to the hospital at 3 o'clock in the morning. They're wore out. Let's go. 50% say they would leave the ministry if they had another option to support their family. Number five, 1,500 pastors actually leave the ministry every month. Every month due to burnout, moral, moral failure, or contention in the church. See, this wouldn't happen if the apostles were in place. There wouldn't be, there's not any contention in this ministry. Do you all know that? You don't hear anybody arguing, fighting, and contending in here. Number six. 70% of pastors do not have anyone they would consider to be a friend. Almost no pastors have a close friend. Now that's bad. If you don't have anybody to confide into, man, you're just going to dry up. 70%. 75% say they live under constant stress. Look at this. Insurance cost for a mental breakdown for clergy is 4% higher than secular. What is that? No wonder people don't come to the church. <laughs> That's a pastoral church without an apostolic covering. 77% of the pastors do not feel they have a good marriage. Number nine, 50% of the pastors' marriages will end up in divorce. Isn't that sad? This is a survey over 20 years. Without all of them taught 10. The majority of pastors' wives say that the single most destructive event that has occurred in their marriage was the ministry. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It was shocking to me to see that. The day they entered the ministry. Todd, you didn't put that on. Was the day they entered the ministry. Let these statistics sink in, sink, in for, sink in for a minute. The traditional pastor model is destroying pastors. Amen. Thank God they didn't get a hold of Yovan and, and Jen. <laughs> they tried to snatch them into that system. Man, oh man. I'm glad they can hear from God. In the pastoral church, the pastors are given a set of demands that no one can, can, can fulfill. Nobody can do it. 
The old wineskin places demands on the pastor that no human being can satisfy. I've seen it in the churches we were in, the demands that were put on that pastor. The pastoral church is a wineskin that does not work. You've, you've already seen it. It's going to get worse. It's getting worse. Because, you know, when God starts moving as fast as he's moving in this place, you know he's moving out there to bring the churches down. So he can raise them back up. Amen. Kingdom people are sent out do, to do kingdom work. As they advance, they will meet opposing forces. How many of you all met opposing forces when you go out? Kingdom people know warfare because of the trials you've been in. You learn warfare. Kingdom people know warfare. They do not back off from warfare. They know that the kingdom, and this is this is the mindset you've got to take on. They know that, that there's two kingdoms in conflict right now. And you're the carrier of that power. Kingdom people are not trying to protect themselves. I don't know how many people said, I just need to protect myself. Man, that just goes all over me. I don't like people saying that. They they are purpose purposing to go on a mission every time they pass through the door. Every time you pass through that doorway of change. Your purpose is a mission. It's a mission. They know the grace and faith. They know that grace and faith have been given to them to overcome antichrist forces. The Spirit of God is now developing centers where a kingdom display and performance can occur. Todd, Todd, thank you for typing all this. Todd, Todd does great. To overcome antichrist forces. The Lord not only declares his word, but he performs his word and manifests his glory in these centers. And we've got to keep in mind these sinners are a prototype of what heaven is displaying to the earth to see. That's what these sinners are all about. This is, a, this, this is an apostolic center. Kingdom centers are prototypes of what heaven is displaying for the earth to see. Let me know if I need to repeat anything. 
look at characteristics of the kingdom. Many times people talk about kingdom, but we don't understand kingdom. Most people don't understand kingdom. First of all, we got to understand kingdom has a government, and it's a fivefold government. The kingdom has a king, and his name is Jesus. The kingdom has good news, the gospel. See, one of those is left out in a pastoral church. The fivefold, the biggest part. The fivefold actually brings the full power of Jesus in the place. The full power of Jesus. Just like he was he was walking on the earth, the kind of power and authority that he exhibited and displayed. The apostolic sinners coming into that. And just think about this. We only have we don't have our fivefold office majoring in this place yet. And you see the power and the presence just out of the, what we have. So the rest of them are coming in this year. I'm going to teach a little bit on apostles tonight because people's minds go crazy when they hear the word apostle. They don't want to even hear that word. Because like Cornelius said, the false ones showed up first when God had a clarion call in the year 2000 and, and it went out to bring the apostles to the forefront. So they're scattered in business. And the devil raises up the false ones while the real ones are being processed. And then, and then they get people messed up. You shouldn't have any demon in you if you've been in an apostolic ministry for a period of time. If you've been in there for a year and you still have demons, something's wrong. Either you want the demon or you're in the wrong, under a wrong apostle. Amen. What apostles do to function, the function of the apostle is to establish the church. Write that down. To establish the church in foundation and growth. He has to establish that growth. Then the teacher builds on it. Brings understanding of that new position. The function of the apostle is to establish the church in foundation and growth. It's a gift from God to create an administration within which other gifts can grow up and develop. It's a gift from God to create an administration within which other gifts can grow up and develop. And the fivefold is the administration of God, the government. Gifts can grow up and develop. 
builds on it. What the teacher's uh, primary function is, is to build the understanding of that new level of growth. Because you, you know, when you come through a doorway of change, you're actually coming into a new level of growth. But everything's new. Because what you knew just passed away. So the teacher has to take that new knowledge, that new revelation that got you through the doorway and build the understanding of it so that you can live in it. You can't live in anything you don't understand. You've got to have understanding. That's why he said, and all you're getting, get it. Get understanding because you can't live unless you have understanding. Where apostles are functioning, you will see fivefold ministry coming into place. So if you're visiting churches, there are apostolic churches, you ought to see the fivefold ministry come in place, coming into place, coming into place. It should be forming. The saints will be equipped and the kingdom of God will move forward in those type of churches. Equipped, and the kingdom of God will move forward in those churches. And what is the kingdom of God? If, what is what is it? Y'all remember that? If it's moving forward, what's it moving forward in? Power. Power. The kingdom of God is the power of the kingdom of heaven. That power has to clean up things. So the kingdom of heaven can rest with his children. God wants to be with his children. A prophet, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers cannot establish a fivefold. Prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers cannot establish a fivefold. Only apostles are graced to do that. Amen. They're graced to do that. I love the anointing of God, especially on an office, because you don't know nothing till it starts teaching you. Everything that you're getting is this anointing that's bringing this forth, teaching this. Yes, they, it's impossible for them to establish a fivefold ministry. That is the gift of the gifty apostle. An apostle is not a title. It's not a title you give to someone to honor them. It's an anointing given by God to establish order. That's going to be your apostle's primary role is to establish order. I call it, I call it an ambassador anointing. Ambassadors do what? They're representative, representatives of the king. They ought to be able to deliver a message from the king. They ought to be, they'd be able to deliver the, the power of the king. Because the king is backing them up. As apostles represent the king, 
they have the authority to say things like, this goes there. This is out of order. Here's your next step. I mean, you all hear me say that around here. This is next step. Next step. This is wrong over here. That's authority of that office speaking. That's an anointing speaking. Let's look at the marks of an apostle. Trying to simplify this. Apostles have an immediately recognizable relationship with Jesus. Their lives aren't their own. Amen. If I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, I wouldn't be teaching this tonight. I'd be at home. Amen. But when an apostle comes into a relationship with him, he realizes he is not his own. And thank God, because he's a lot happier than trying to live your own life. Amen. We've tried that before. doesn't work. What's the next one? They operate in the supernatural realm. Man, I look back over the last 20-something years before God actually put me in this office and told me to go ahead and, and work it seven years ago. I saw all these signs all along, but I thought every Christian did it. Signs, wonders, and miracles. I just thought it was the norm for everybody. Then I, as I look back, it wasn't the norm for everybody. Let's go to number three. Apostles are able to interpret what is what God is doing. Amen? And, and primarily, they do it through vision. God does it through vision with apostles. I mean, it just drops down like a movie screen while you're talking to someone. And God is playing out everything for you. The, these things are the marks of an apostle. The marks of an apostle. Number four, apostles are trustworthy with money. In Acts 4, the people took the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now think about this. This was a new way of giving for the people because they would bring it to the priest. They'd bring their tithes and the offerings to the priest at the temple. But in this new administration, they gave it to the apostles. It started with the first apostle in the book of Acts. They did not ask, this is what's beautiful, they did not ask for an accounting of the money. When you're in a pastoral church, you got the board, man. They want an account of the money. They want to hand it out to the congregation. I never liked that. That never felt right to me. Postal Cathedral, some of these churches we've been in. God put a heart in apostles that's trustworthy. With people, with money. So they never asked for an account of the money. They were confident that the apostles would be completely trustworthy with it. To overlook character. And this is what's happening out there a lot. To overlook character at the expense of power is to make a tragic mistake. 
to overlook character at the expense of power is to make a, a, a tragic mistake. So what I'm saying is you might follow someone because they're performing signs, wonders, and miracles, but outside of that performance, his character is not matching up to what he's flowing in. Amen? Hmm? You might find someone that's really flowing in those signs, wonders, and miracles, but after they come out of that flow, their character does not match what they were flowing. Is that it? Is that it? Okay. So the character's got to match. It's got to be the, the, the primary thing you should be looking for is character. Mammon has no hold on true apostles. They will, they will be faithful to God without the thought of money. They will be faithful in serving God without the thought of money. Amen. I don't think about the finances of this ministry. I know the finances get taken care of. If you're doing what God told you to do, he's going to provide for his ministry. Number five, the apostles, they have authority to discipline and pronounce judgment. Now, you're going to see this coming to, you're going to see this working the next five years. Okay. And here's some of the judgments that, that happen in the, in the uh, New Testament. In Acts 5, remember Annas, Ananias, and Sapphira, Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. Peter Peter had to had a responsibility to establish a standard in the church not to lie to the Holy Spirit. He was establishing a standard not to lie to the Holy Spirit. It, it just wasn't tolerated. In 1 Timothy 1, 19 and 20, Paul took two of them, delivered two of them over to Satan. Two of them he delivered over to Satan. So they would learn not to blaspheme God. Can you imagine that? That's a fearful thing. The Lord has used me in that twice, I think, when I heard him say, deliver that one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so his, his spirit could live. Man, I was driving. It was, I was trembling. What does this mean? And I did it. I just said it. And man, it took off. All hell broke loose. But his spirit was saved. Brings him back to God. The spirit will always bring you back to God. But it gets so covered up with all the junk. That people don't even have the power to come back to God. Because there's so much demonic influence keeping them down. And pulled back from connecting back to God. In First Corinthians five five, Paul turned someone over, someone else over, one person over to Satan because of sexual immorality. Remember that? Just turn them over. This kind of discipline is necessary in the church. 
It's not legalism. It's not control. It's not abuse. It's God protecting his church from the enemy's influence. It creates a secure environment for people and maintains an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is unhindered. Amen. Apostles, huh? That is the body. That is that is protecting the body. And the Holy Spirit is unhindered from moving in its full authority. Yeah, when you have, have one person, that's what Paul did. He said, now deliver that one over because it will infiltrate the whole body. It's amazing when you're around somebody by association, the same spirit can just rub off on you. That's why you got to be careful of who you're hanging around with. Apostles will challenge and demand performance from the saints. They demand maturity is what they're demanding. They're demanding maturity. And Carrie was probably the worst one. He was always respectful. Always. He took it. But it's that office, you know, that evangelistic office. The devil does not want that office cleaned up. Because if it's cleaned up, it's going to be highly effective in reaching souls and bringing forth signs, wonders, and miracles. Apostles lay down their lives for the church. Galatians 6.18 says, Paul said he bears the brand marks of Jesus in his body. Apostles really pay a higher price to fulfill their calls. I look back and, man, I wish I was dead sometime. You figure what y'all go through. What's well, multiplied? And I didn't have anybody I can call on but Jesus. So we need to pray for the true apostles and protect them. Be a source of protection around them. Number seven, apostles are fathers and mothers in the church. How many times have I had to be a mother around here and a father? But it wasn't me. It was that anointing, the manifold work of that anointing, meeting the needs of the people. It's a manifold work. Apostleship is a relational ministry motivated by love. You can't get God to move like you did last Saturday night if love wasn't in the house. Didn't love increase in this place? Man, you couldn't hardly take it. The love was so strong. It was powerful. Now it can just grow now. Number eight, apostles are anointed to set the church in order. That's why I lost a lot of the pastors in pastor's conference. Because <laughs> they knew if they got hooked up with this kind of ministry, they'd have to come in order, the right order. Huh? 
That's right. They got to come in order. But but they're missing the blessing, man. Man, there's a blessing. When an apostle sets the church in order, it works. That's what I need to tell them. This is going to work. You'll just let it. If we don't understand the marks of an apostle, it will be hard to transition from a pastoral church to an apostolic church. If you don't understand these marks, it's going to be hard to hard to transition. Making the transition. Pick up a few steps here and making this transition. The first step is an apostolic alignment. This is this is making the transition. Number one, first step is making that apostolic alignment. So if you're independent and isolated, you cannot make the transition. And a lot of people don't make the transition because they don't understand. And that's what I'm trying to build and infuse in the ministers here is to understand why they have to make the transition. You have to understand apostles. You have to understand uh, the marks of the apostle so that you can understand what you're leaning on to make the transition. You're leaning on an understanding to make that transition. So take the time to get to know apostles, true apostles. Get to know them. Number two, make sure your church has a biblical picture of what a Christian is supposed to be like. Amen? Some of you all will be starting uh, your own church one day, or your own ministry out there one day. and, and um, Because there will be a core of people here. And there's going to be people that's going to go out. Amen. But they'll still be connected. They're still connected to the apostolic center. We are not called to be pew warmers. We are called to be the army of God. Number three. Begin to equip the saints for ministry. Begin to equip them. Begin to teach them how to cast out demons. They should be watching the operation, how the Lord is using the apostle and casting out demons, prophesying over people, praying for people. The apostles are put into church first for a model of how God is doing it. Number four. As you go through this process, give people a new view of their pastor. What that means is a church must begin to give the pastor the freedom to be who God has called him to be. Amen. These are the four steps to a church. These are four primary steps for a church and assembly to begin to make the transition from an old wineskin church to a new wineskin church.
God, I don't know if you've had time to put those last four blocks up, and then we'll be finished. The apostle can the true apostles can stand before their followers and say without hesitation, "Imitate me." Not too many leaders can do that. Imitate me. That's what I gave you in the conference room. I didn't know you had a chance to put them in or not. We are we are only to submit to godly leadership. To submit to ungodly leadership. And you don't have to write these down unless you want to write these down. These won't be a part of the test. These are just little nuggets. To submit to ungodly leadership is to submit to control, domination, and witchcraft. Amen. How many of you have experienced that? Domination and witchcraft. In fact, Carl, you and Mamie, did Cornelius come from that pastor that y'all came from? No. You should tell him what you experienced so it'll draw him. It'll draw him in here. He needs to be in this pastor's conference. Leadership is to submit to control, domination, and witchcraft. Patience is necessary for an apostle to be able to build the church to maturity and finish its course. I didn't used to be a patient man, I'm telling you. Um, this is something that Jesus had to infuse in me. Yes. Because I can get pretty brutal, you know, trying to get things done. But now i got to realize I get to get things done through people now. Which before I thought I could do everything by myself. But when you come into a ministry, you can't do everything by yourself. You've got to have the people. Patience is necessary for an apostle to be able to build the church to maturity and finish the course. That's what we got to realize just because we're mature, now we have a course to finish. We got a course to finish. And the last one was rage and anger are signs of an unsanctified character. Rage and anger are the sign of an unsanctified character. And one thing about true apostles that I've noticed, like Cornelius, he said, when did you realize that I had anger? When you walked in the door. How long has he been coming? Almost a year, I don't know, six months? So months. But if you see me look into your eyes when you come in, I've already picked up something. But he would have never known it. I don't give the demon no attention. I just get prepared for what God wants to do with that demon. Bring that man up. So kingdom ministries are ministries that you have to live holy. You have to live set apart. You can't be around people 
that aren't set apart. We can visit them. That's about all we can do. But the visitation is supposed to be for a manifestation. Amen. They need to leave changed. Or you need to leave them changed. So there's got to be an impact. There's got to be an impact. We have to live holy. And holy sounds like a such a religious word. But what it means is live separated. Just live separated from these things. And listen, God will give you everything that you need. There's not one thing that I don't need. Not one thing. I can't even put on my prayer list anymore what I need. Everything's for the ministry now. But he's met every need super abundantly. And I said before, if God doesn't do it super abundantly, it was the devil. That's how deceptive he is. He says I'll do it far above anything you can ask or think. So when it's abundant, more than you can ask or think, he's going to go beyond what you can ask or think. That's how you know it's him. Because the devil can sustain you. Amen. He just can't bring you into that abundance without fear. Fear. Losing something. Not being able to sleep at night. Are you afraid to lose it? The next teaching is going to be on what is an apostolic center and how can I align with it? These are other ministries. And this is coming from the throne room of God. That he's, he's building his archives for this ministry. Because everything that we teach is going to be taught. I don't know if it's going to be in this generation or next. I'm hoping it's going to be in this generation. I want to see it built. I want to see the people teaching. But, you know, God is subject to our obedience. He's subject to our choices. And if we just choose to live right, sanctified unto God, he could have that thing built in three years. Amen. And then we wouldn't need all these little ministries out there. Everybody would be coming into one place, wouldn't have to worry about worry about money. Amen. You know, they'll be enjoying what they're doing because they don't have to worry about the finances. Apostles handle the finances. The pastors are not supposed to do that. No pastor is supposed to handle finance. No teacher is supposed to handle finance. No prophet or evangelist looks to handle it. Your, your, your apostles are graced to handle finances. And they'll move those finances according to what God says. And it's going to be contrary to the way people think. But you're going to see the fruit of it. That's what I've seen at work. I've seen the fruit of it work. And when the Holy Spirit will call something just like that, and boom, it will just pull you into a bunch of blessings. Releasing. Any questions? Do you understand what's going on?
tonight in the teaching? Y'all need to go on the website and look at that last one. Because that will really give you an understanding of how the fivefold works. So I really want you to take these tests. And um, and then you know, before nation, we'll just do a final exam. And uh, I, was, I was kidding with Carl. And I may not be kidding. I might try it. You know, I, I have this cologne called Halston. I've been wearing it since, <laughs> since, since I've been 18 years old. It was $50 a bottle back then. Now it's eight. But it doesn't smell like that on anybody else. Mason tried to put it on. And Chris said, Mason, take that off. It doesn't even smell like that. So I said, Lord, what's the difference? He said, holiness. Holiness. The flesh puts off a scent. Demons puts off a scent. Yeah. So, the real test, maybe a week before an ordination, I'm going to give, give them a bottle of Halston to the guys. And Lee and some of them are going to be the tester. They'll just smell my arm and then smell his arm. <laughs> Gary's the only one don't like it. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Let me pray, and we got some food in here we're going to eat. Yes. Questions? Yes, the test from last week. Well, what we're going to do is um, I'm going to pass them out. Yes.